Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Monday morning to each and every one of you. We're back at our Chatterbox Studios here in the heart of Hamilton, Ohio. And welcome to Off the Bench, presented by our friends at United Dairy Farmers. Blah, blah, blah. That's what happens when you go to a party till 1A. Start stumbling around. Welcome to the show. We come your way Monday through Friday. 10A to high noon P. You can watch us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports page. We stream from time to time. Are we today or no? No, we are still not. All right. Occasionally on Facebook. And if you'd prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, please do so. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. And you are, as we like to say, dialed in. Well, the 2023 NFL Draft is in the books. Now, what do you make? of the Bengals' eight-member rookie class. We talked Friday at length about the first-round pick, Miles Murphy. In rounds two and three, the Bengals do what they do. They take the best player available. Don't get worked up about the position. They generally go with big schools that have big-time success. The Alabamas, the Clemsons, right? The Michigans. They get high-character players who more times than not are team captains at those schools. In the second round, they go to Michigan. Cornerback D.J. Turner. Third round, Alabama. Safety Jordan Battle. Fourth round, this is an intriguing pick, which we will talk more about later. Purdue wide receiver Charlie Jones. Fifth round, I would make the argument, could be the steal of the draft. We'll find out. Illinois workout horse running back Chase Brown. In the sixth round, a very interesting choice as well. In Princeton wide receiver Andre Iosivas. A little bit more on him later. Final two picks were the Michigan punter, Brad Robbins, and lastly, a cornerback out of Miami of Florida named DJ Ivey. Only Murphy is expected to start right away. But this year, the team has starters for 2023. These players they picked, are expected to play and contribute a little bit here and there, whether it's offense, defense, and especially on special teams in Jones, who two years ago was a Big Ten special teams player of the year. But perhaps the biggest news was Zach Taylor and his proclamation that Joe Mixon is the team starting running back, period. We know he's due to make big money this season. He's had some off-the-field issues. But perhaps Taylor was all but saying a deal is in the works, if not already, to rework Mixon's contract and bring him back. Stay tuned for night. Who were the winners and losers in this year's draft? What players, what teams put themselves in a position to get better? Who didn't? We will talk about that as the show rolls on. In baseball, the Reds nearly had a perfect weekend. After winning the first two games out in Oakland, The bullpen couldn't hold a one-run lead for Nick Lodolo, and the Reds lost 5-4 in walk-off fashion last of the night. Derek Law gets a loss. He is 0-4 out of the bullpen this season. Cincinnati starts a three-game series against a very talented, arguably underachieving team in San Diego tonight. That's at Petco Park. Luke Weaver against Blake Snell, first pitch 9-40 Eastern. Bobby Nightingale, Jr., who, by the way, is leaving 
Cincinnati.com. He's going to his hometown in Minnesota. We'll talk to him about that a little bit later. The Boston Bruins. Is this a choke job? I mean, this year they were the most successful team in NHL regular season history. Ever. History of the league. Setting league records for wins and for points. But that's the regular season. This is now the postseason. The Bruins were eliminated in round one of their thrilling series against the Florida Panthers. Boston led by a goal with five minutes to go. Florida tied it. Then the Panthers, roughly eight minutes in, broke that tie with a goal in overtime and win four to three. In the NBA, prove positive that the stars, not, not the guys that some of us say are stars. I mean the real stars. And there are only a handful of them. They show up when it matters most. LeBron James did it for the Lakers, taking care of Memphis. And then yesterday, Steph Curry of Golden State. He pours in a Game 7 record 50. And the defending champs advance to the second round with a 120-100 win over the Kings. Now, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritzner, good morning, men. Tom, how are you today? All right, you know, doing all right. Doing all right. How about you guys? Good weekend? Uh, I, I had a fantastic weekend, but it sounds like you were the one in, over in Anderson. So, what'd you say, 145A? Hey. Yep. Hey. Yep. Ubered home. Uber. Thank God. Safe and sound. It was late. Hanging out with all my boys. Dave Crotty, a 60th birthday party. Got to catch up with all my high school buddies as we do from time to time, but this was a special occasion. So, a big night. Casey? How about your weekend? Were you just glued to the television and the NFL draft? I was. Pretty much the entire time. So Saturday, you rolled right in from the draft right into FC Cincinnati. Um, maybe. Did you leave the house? I, I did not leave the house, no. I was pretty much, <laughs> I was pretty much, well, besides working Miami games, yeah. besides doing that, I, I was at my house watching the NFL draft or uh, watching soccer, or watching Mandalorian. So that's what I did. Or watching what? The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian? Yeah, the Star Wars TV show, no? I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. You should check it out. I loved Star Wars. I saw the first three Star Wars, didn't see any after that. You know, when I was growing up, they were awesome. So it's good. It's a good, it's a good show. It's okay. a good show. All right. I still didn't even make a dent in Breaking Bad over the weekend. Well, we I, I just didn't have time. I mean, we're, we're, it's, it's, it, you know, we got, we got games all the time. We got stuff happening. There, you know, there's just something going on. And now this week, we got three lacrosse games. You got school. You got tests. You got, you know. So, uh, I, got, I got to finish it off. I'm on number nine. Of season five. Of season five. So, you're right there at the end. I How mean, right there. Knocking watching? on the door. How did you stop watching? I mean, this I, I is just, like. I I, 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 you know, the older you get. You know, you don't sleep all that great. Not bad, but not great. And, um, you know, staying up after everybody goes to bed, sometimes I can do it, but just couldn't do it this weekend. So I'll get back to it. Um, speaking of the NBA, fellas, Paul, you were talking about this a little while ago. We got a graphic of this, Casey? Yes, we do. Of who's left. I mean, this is just a great time, even if you're not a regular season fan. This is such an unbelievable time to watch the NBA playoffs. Let's take a look 
in the in the uh, who do we have on the West? There you have the Nuggets already up a game on the Suns. That series just got started. The Lakers and now the Warriors are set to tee it up starting tomorrow night. Does that have any star power in it? Oh my God! The whole the whole playoffs that are yeah. left. I mean, look at all of these teams, these brands, these cities. This is you really can't ask for anything more here. I mean, the Bucks choked it away against the Heat, and Reed Mouse actually put a topic in the chat I was going to bring up in a little bit: who choked worse, the Bruins or the Bucks? We can talk about that more in a little bit. But the Heat, the Knicks, the seventy—you have Philadelphia, New York, Boston. L.A., Miami, Golden State, Phoenix, and Denver. You you really don't get brand wise any bigger than what they have. Right no, and you know, look um, in the in the glory days for the Cavaliers when LeBron was there, right? I mean, it was LeBron against the Warriors, and here we are again. I mean, that is that is going to be unbelievable to watch. And, and I got to tell you, look, I lived in Arizona for a long, long time. And I loved the Phoenix Suns when I was out there. Uh, the owner of the Diamondbacks, who I work for, owned the Suns, Jerry Colangelo, who I admire as much as any human being, professionally and personally, as I've ever met in my life. And he wanted so badly to win that championship in his ownership with the Suns. And, of course, they lost to the Bulls in the finals and Barkley and all that, and he takes off. They bring in a whole new wave of guys. But one thing that is always held true for whatever reason is Phoenix never guards anybody. And they didn't guard anybody in game one against Denver. You can have all the star power in the world. You have to play some defense. You can't give up 120 and win. Right? No, you can't. No, I mean, you just can't. No, especially especially not in a game seven situation like that where you have a 50-burger from Golden State. Steph Curry. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that is just an unbelievable performance by him. And to win by 20 in game seven and and credit to the Kings for what they were able to do this yep. season because the Kings, the Kings should not have even made the postseason, and to go in there and win the division and get a seed that they got and then to take the Warriors to game seven. But now you have LeBron and Steph going back at it again. I mean, remember when we were sick of LeBron and, and Steph and it was just, you could pencil it in every year, 2015 to 2018, you just knew. Yep. Yeah, the regular season was a formality. We were just going to get LeBron and, and Steph at the end. And now LeBron's 38, Steph's 35. Is this the last time we see them both no. playing each other? No. In the postseason? No, it won't be. They will collide somehow, somewhere again. They will. I, they're, I, they're, they're both on their game. Yeah. You know? And it's not like either one of them is all of a sudden going to go play for some loser franchise. I mean, you know, everybody's got to address what they got to address from a team standpoint. But if you're going to keep LeBron James, if you're the Lakers, there's been a lot of talk about if his son decided to come out and play, right? Well, so that's my question for you, Tom. Bronny goes to college next year, which he has not decided where he's going to go to college. He's going to Ohio State. Well, if he goes to college, I'm saying, what if he goes to the G League, plays for G yes, League? Yes, if he goes, I was just saying, if he does go to if college, he goes he's to college. going to Ohio State. If he goes to college, All right. yes, it seems likely he'd probably go to Ohio State. But if he doesn't go to college, or if whatever, he goes to college, he's, he's out in a year. He could be in the NBA, potentially, potentially, if he was good enough. And there's question marks as to whether he would be good enough. But there's, he, he could be good enough to be there in two to three years. Yep. And LeBron, it seems like at this pace is playing well enough and is fit enough that he could at least be hanging around in the league at that point. 
if you're a team, and let's say Bronny is a, let's say he's around pick number 20. Maybe he plays his way up. Maybe he plays his way down. We'll just call it an average of 20. Fair enough. I think if he were getting, I, I think if he were eligible this year, I think somebody would take him in the first round. Well, so here's my question for you. Because I don't think he is a first-round pick right now. Yep. But LeBron has made it so clear that he wants to play with Bronny. If you're an NBA GM, do you take Bronny knowing that you're going to get a year or two of LeBron as well? Without a doubt. I think it's an interesting case study. My, my son happens. and I were talking about this a few weeks back. Absolutely, I'd do it. You're going to get the son for cheap. I guarantee you LeBron, a chance to play with his son, is going to play for cheap. He's got all the money in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is something an entirely – this would be the crowning moment of his career through all the MVPs, all the rings, all of that kind of thing. A chance to play with your son in the NBA, whether it's for a week, a month, a year, four years. I mean, LeBron's going to go do it. And if you're that franchise and all of a sudden you can find a way to talk LeBron into playing for, you know, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. And you are able to then go out and spend a pile of money to bring in some other players that would make you competitive, you got to do it, right? Yeah. I mean, Bronny is the, right now, according to 24-7, he's the 36th ranked prospect in the class, uh, in next year's class in 2020, or in this year's class, rather, 2023, next year's freshman class. Uh He's a 36th-ranked prospect. He's a four-star, but it, he doesn't jump off the page as that five-star you know, LeBron-type guy. Right. He's drafted first overall out of high school. He's not that, but he is a legitimate Division One prospect with talent, not just because of his name. I mean, he is good. The more I talk to guys around the recruiting, I, I've kind of texted around the last month or so trying to figure out, is, is Bronny actually any good? It seems like the, the consensus is he's the four-star 94 overall rating, um, you know, 36 in his class. So I, I'm just curious, maybe in two years, if he's a fringe guy to the NBA, does a team use a pick just to be able to get him and LeBron on the same team? And I would say if you can get a year or two of legitimate LeBron James play out of that, why not? Don't want to, You don't want to spend a top 10 pick, but – a mid-20s, maybe an early second round, mid-20s, maybe a first-round pick? I don't know. Seems kind of spicy to me. I don't know how you'd say no to it. I really don't. It would make perfect sense on so many levels. Um, by the way, you're getting a lot of compliments with that big league pullover. Big yeah, league call. Nice. I mean, a lot of compliments. I, I, where'd you buy that? I got it from the Xavier Bookstore. It's the old Running Man logo. Still remember this? this Time was- out. Let me back up. Let me back up. Did you just say you got it at the Xavier Bookstore implying you paid for it? Did you pay for that pullover, yay or nay? Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. Sure. I don't take free handouts, Tom. Really? <laughs> no, I seriously. So you don't own anything, not a single thing, hoodie, golf shirt, pullover, whatever. You don't own anything that you have been given by the Xavier men's or women's basketball programs. I have a couple of things that other people haven't wanted anymore that I have taken, but m- everything except for maybe one thing that I wear consistently that says Xavier, I've paid for. Yeah. 
I think this might have been a Christmas present now that I say that. But either way, like, it, it wasn't given Well, you're me. getting big compliments on no. it. BLP. No. For those of you who don't know, that's Big League Paul. No. And now he's known as NHP. No handout, Paul. I don't, I don't you like You wouldn't the, fit in in California. Don't like to overstay my welcome. So if I, if I need to pay for something, I need to pay for something. Okay. But I'm not complaining if somebody wants to slide something my way. Okay. <laughs> All right. What else we got here uh, that we were going to talk yeah. about in the open? Uh, oh, yes, F- of FC. course. FC, Cincinnati. Played to a 1-1 draw in New England on Saturday night. Those are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Still are. Next up for Cincinnati is uh, D.C. coming to town at TQL Stadium Saturday night. Is that your team, D.C., Paul? The D.C. United. You know where they played before they got their new stadium? RFK. That's exactly right. That new stadium is pretty sweet. It's right oh. by the National Stadium. Audi Field, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. nice. Have well, n- never been, but. So tell me, uh, Casey, before we get to football, and we're going to break down this whole draft, um, tell me about the FC Cincinnati game. I heard there was some controversy. I didn't get to watch it, but I heard there was some controversy. There was some sort of a penalty that should have been awarded, or maybe it wasn't. It was awarded, and it should have been something. Yeah, so um, first off, FC, I'm pretty sure their goal – I didn't get to actually watch the game. I, I had to okay. go back and, and watch the uh, look at the box score. But from my understanding – they they should have won the game. They had a chance to win the game. The officiating was really poor. Um, there was a clear denial of a scoring opportunity that should have been awarded a, a penalty kick, and um, it just wasn't quite there. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, in the end, they're tied for first. I know their goal differential is different, but um, I'm not going to – anytime I hear about officiating, that just – regardless of what happened, they had other opportunities to score besides that one point in the game. Okay. And that still holds up to be true. Right at the very end, they had an opportunity to score many times, and they just couldn't punch it through. And that happens. That just happens in soccer where, you know – happens in every game right where you have an opportunity to win your game and you're gonna let one the, the team is not gonna let one officiating mistake one blunder to cause their whole season to derail I'll put it like that this didn't like cause anything that was too major that you know FC should be really upset with they're still pretty much tied there for first except for goal differential um, I'm not sure when tied in points. They're in second on goal differential. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, so they're technically they're right. Good. They're technically second, but DC United seventh. So it'll be a it'll be a good match and should be decent weather this weekend. Right. Derby weekend this weekend too. So we do it. Yes, it let's, is. Let's get a horse expert on Friday. Let's get somebody to talk to ponies. Who is a who is a horse expert out there? I can get a few. You I, can. Well, I, of course, that world you you yeah. you know circle around. Back in, in COVID, swim in. Back in COVID, when the ponies were the only thing going on that you could bet on. Right. I got deep in the weeds. I mean, I've always been. My dad's from Louisville, so I've always been big on the Derby, and and that's always been a, a major event in the Fritchner household. Have you ever been to the Derby? Multiple times. Okay. You yeah. going this year? No, I'm not. Okay. No, I'm not. Well, then we have but, to get someone on. But I, I'll do some digging. In fact, I had uh, 
I don't know if I'll be able to get him on this week. It'd probably be pretty busy. But Larry Colmas, the voice of the Derby, yep. I've, I've done a podcast with him. Maybe I'll maybe I'll reach out see if I can get him on. Uh, OJ's ninety four Broncos says that he can talk the ponies all day long if we're looking for somebody. And what what in the world does this mean? Do I know ball? What what does that mean? Who asked that question? Ooh. I don't Do know, you know what he's referring to. Well, it's just a blanket statement, Tom. Yeah, what does that mean? The former, uh, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop. Does Do Tom know ball? Do you even know ball, Tom? Ooh. What does that mean? So fill me in. Of course, he's always busy wearing out Reed Mouse. Does Tom know ball? Yeah. That's well, a great that basketball. Is that baseball? Is that football? Is that soccer? It's just in general. Do you know ball? I know ball. I don't know much, and I'm wrong a lot more than right. Um, it's like game recognizing game. That's the right answer, Tom. If somebody ever says, "If here's the thing, if you're ever running around uh, Marymount High School, you know you're at a lax game, some of Luke's buddies come up and they go, Tom, you know ball. You look at him, give him a little wink, fellas, I know ball. Okay, all right. You'll be right in. So that's a little teaching Tom moment. Yeah, there you there. go. Okay, all right. All right. Um, Lance Miller in the house today wants to know if we can get Bob Huggins on. We have had Coach Huggins on. Maybe we'll find time to ask him to join us again. I try to really spread those out quite a bit. Uh, when you ask a guy to give you, you know, like he did that day, 45, 50 minutes, whatever it was, right, right. right before um, or right when basketball season got underway. All right, let's get to it. The Cincinnati Bengals report. Okay. Today and always brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Our good friends over at Encore, John Burns and Larry Shakely, we thank them for being a part of the program. All right, boys. Uh, Casey, before we get to winners and losers of the draft, and everybody has an opinion on this, all over the web, right? Internet, who are the winners, who are the losers, et cetera, et cetera. I would like you, because you follow this so closely, to give me your opinion, overall opinion. We gave the names a moment ago. But your opinion of the Cincinnati Bengals 2023 draft class. Well, um, I, if I were giving it a letter grade, I'll start with that. I would give it a B plus. Okay. And that that's barely a B plus. I'd probably give it average a B because I, I'm one. I've been known to overhype draft a lot and give a lot of A's out. This year, I'm trying to temper expectations, especially because most of these guys are not starting. They're not. They're not changing. They're not changing the. Uh, hmm. You know, Miles Murphy's not starting day one. But he's gonna play a lot. He's gonna play a lot. Same thing with DJ Turner. He's not starting. He might play a lot. Um, Jordan Battle. He's not starting. He could eventually start. That's the one potential starter we have on our team. Probably won't play a lot. Um, Charlie Jones, the fourth receiver. Uh, I really like that guy a lot. Yep. Um, now, there's a guy that can make an unbelievable impact. I brought it up in the monologue on special teams. Right. 
and we needed it bad, right? Um, we needed someone that could punt return and kick return, and he's really good at both. I think he also brings a safety blanket for when Tyler Boyd's contract comes up. You're not forced to pay Tyler Boyd an exuberant amount of money. Or T. Higgins. Or T. Higgins, which I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, Chase Brown, I, I like him a lot. I think he was – I agree. The knock on him was age and the amount that he – the amount of touches he had, right? And he almost led the league, the college football, in rushing. Um, very effective runner. And hard runner, hard tough runner, runner tough workhorse runner. runner. Yeah. And I mean, I, like when you're saying, I mean, Brett Bielema, the coach at Illinois, it's all run, 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 run. Right. And he was a guy that ran, 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 ran. Right. And he's, he adds a change of pace, a dynamic, a, a dyna, uh, dynism, dynam, Dynan, dynamism, dynamism, big that, word that we uh, just don't currently have or know that we have, right? I, I still believe in Chris Evans, but anyways, then we get to Yoshi, Yo, Yoshivas, Yoshivas? Iasivas. Iasivas. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was Yoshivas. Kid? Yeah. According to his uh, profile, it's Yo okay. and C. Like S-E-E-V-A-S. Yosivas. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try to get the Princeton head coach on this week. That'd be cool. He was an old neighbor of mine when he used to coach for the Bengals. He's been the Princeton head football coach for a long time. Bob Serace. I'm going to try to get him on this week. That'd be cool. Please continue. Yeah. And he fits a body type, and I know people are going to be scared to hear this, that could replace D. Higgins. Um. 6'3", 200-plus pounds, runs really fast, has all the athletic traits, which, by the way, he tested 14th out of 3,092 prospects from 1987 till, till now. He tested 14th as a receiver. That is extreme extremely high athleticism well if i'm not mistaken i don't mean to interrupt you but i thought i read is it heptathlete is that what it is heptathlon is that when you go and you do all the different events uh, that's in track and field yeah the, the that's this guy that's what he was at princeton yeah I, I i mean i've seen some websites make that make the claim that he is the best athlete period when you take everything into account he is the best athlete, period, in this draft. Right. And now he has a chance to compete for that receiver, fourth receiver role with Charlie Jones. And, you know, if T. Higgins ever goes down, I'm not – the receiver room has now been completely fixed. It is beyond what I thought would be possible in terms of if anyone gets hurt – there's a guy. There, there's a guy. There just is. There's the guy behind in the roster that can replace that said person. Um, and I know those two, Charlie Jones and Yosivash, is unknown. But with their athleticism, and when you watch Charlie Jones on tape, I mean, he was just burning Joey Porter. Yep. He was just burning all those Big Ten guys. 
Deontay Banks, all those first-round guys. The knock on him was his age and the fact that he's 5'11". He's undersized. But if you watch the film, man, number one in contested catches, I'm excited for Chris Jones. I'm also excited for Yoshivas. I'm getting to the bottom of this. I'm going to Princeton's website. We're going to figure this out. Yeah, thank you. Um, Then uh, after that, I really love the punter. I know most people were not expecting that said punter, but when you look at why, what he's really good at, um, the Michigan punter, he is a directional punter. He can have a lot of hang time. And out of the 45 punts last year that that he actually attempted, none of them were touchbacks. All of them were directionally kicked. All of them were within the 20-yard the, the line, you know, that, that range where you're trying to pin someone down. He did that. Yeah, he and, was a force. And, and a lot of people don't use that word when they talk about punters. But if you watch football more and more, uh, as a lot of you have through the years, a punter can very much be a force or a tremendous detriment to a team. Right. And just look no further than the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Well, I blame all that on the coaching. Yeah, but I mean, it could be... You can't be punting to that guy. Yeah, I mean, it could be limitations of that said punter. That's true, that's true. Which, Chrisman, I feel like, has no hang time whatsoever. And I've not really seen him directionally kick either. So, uh, I think his name, uh, the Michigan punter is Robinson, I believe. I, I can't remember his first name, but Robinson... I think day one, he's starting. And then... Uh, so you think the Michigan punter is going to beat out Christman? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Uh, just because of what he can do consistently, right? I don't think Christman can do anything consistently. I don't think that him kicking it, bombing it, without any hang time really helps the Bengals. In fact, I think that hurts them more than anything. Brad Robbins. Thank you, Steve. Um, but, yeah, I... Overall, I thought this draft was – it targeted spots that were eventually going to need replacements, and it also targeted a weakness within our special teams that, you know, we've got a returner now. We've got a punter now. All, like, we're starting to round out that side of the ball, which people take for granted. And I think it really hurt us down, down the stretch, and especially in the championship game, if you ask me. And, you know, you looked at the, the Browns game where Tyler Boyd went down when you were down without T. Higgins and you were struggling with just Chase. You needed Well, to and then you had that. Chase out for five games. Right. Like, I think that this team, when you look at it, they really did target needs. They really did. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be upset that we didn't pick a tackle. and We'll get to – to the Dewan Jones thing, because I'm, I'm... I was just going to ask for a State of the Union on Dewan Jones, because we spent a month listening to you talk about him, then he fell to the fourth round. Third round? Yeah, Third round. Fourth round. Third but round. He, he went to a team where I'm, I'm afraid. I'm scared. Oh, no. I, they still stink, Tom, but I'm, I'm scared. But anyways, we'll get to that in a minute. That was basically an Ohio State pipeline going to Cleveland over the weekend. Yeah, I know. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. They're, they're on my, my list that we'll talk about. But this Bengals team, they did 
exactly what they did last year. And that was they drafted a guy for a future replacement, Mm -hmm. added depth to that corner room, and got a guy in the third round that, you know, may or may not start and help you out in the future. I really love Jordan Battle. Um, They had apparently graded him as the top safety in the class ahead of Brian Branch, the the teammate of Jordan Battle, which – Jordan Battle is more of your your uh, Von Bell replacement, which is fine because you know I didn't think they really got that guy. I thought Nick Scott was a little undersized. Well, I mean, well, uh, but but Zach Taylor, when he was asked a question about that kid being a starter, he basically said that may be down the road. Right. I mean, they brought in Scott to start. I understand. Yeah, and they also what they did was provide so much versatility that you don't have to. They added a level of depth to this team where if you couldn't get your nickel base package out there in time, you're not in any trouble. They've got guys that can play the slot corner. They got guys that can play that strong safety role that can come down into the box if they need to. They got guys on the defensive line that can shift inside if needed to. I really like where this team is going, at least defensively. I think that Miles Murphy was the best pick that they could have made there at the time. I thought that maybe we would see them pick DeWan Jones in the third. Quite clearly, everyone was scared of those number, not him not testing and him being possibly overweight. There was rumors of him being at 390, according to Dave Lapham. So that does kind of scare you a little bit. But that gets me to the rest of the draft, which is outside of the Bengals. Um, This Browns team, man. Well, let's sit tight on that for a second. Yeah. Let's sit tight on that. Because the bottom line is, at the end of the day, and you bring up the the points, okay? Um, Solid draft, no doubt about it. Um, you, You load up on defensive players so you can handle injuries, right? I mean, you brought in some guys that now, like you talked about, you've got depth. And you're also looking at basically uh, succession plans, right? That's what you're doing here. Awuzie is coming back from a knee. You go get Turner. Hendrickson's due $17.5 million last year. His stats have started to drop, right? So you go get Murphy. Mixon, we'll see how his contract plays out. You go get Brown. And then we talked about Boyd. Potentially, Jones takes his spot when his contract is up at the end of the year. So I ask you the question today, before we get to the winners and the losers, the question that I continue to ask over and over, and Sir Boy Wonder 513 asks the same thing in the chat. As we sit here right now today, are the Cincinnati Bengals a better team than the team that lost the AFC Championship game? Today. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if they're I, I don't I'm not gonna say that they're worse. They're definitely not worse. But So they're the same. I think they are they're better. And I think I would say that they're better just simply because their special teams got a lot better. It struggled a lot last year, and I also think that they added Orlando Brown Jr., which makes all, mm-hmm. a lot of difference. Um, 
I think they did enough to address the defensive side of the ball, yep. especially for the future. Yep. Um, we just got to wait and see how they pan out, right? We, we've got a lot of unknowns coming up with Dax Hill, with uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, Cam Taylor-Britt, Awuzier, that secondary. But I have faith. If anyone can, can make that adjustment for that team – it's Lou Anarumo. He can do it. So, yeah, I I, I'm I with you. I have team. unbelievable uh, faith in uh, Anarumo and his staff. Look, are they better in the pass rush game, which they woefully, woefully had a pass rush last year? It was basically non-existent. They averaged a sack five percent of the time that the opposing quarterback was back there to throw. Five percent. Okay, 29th in sacks, right? So, they're better already with Murphy there. They're better already. Because now other guys, they're going to have to account, you know, always with Reeder. They're going to have to count for Hendrickson, Hubbard to a slightly lesser extent. But now you add in Murphy, they're better there. Secondary-wise, they're solid. Would I say they're as good as last year? No. Because I was talking to somebody over the weekend. Look, I know you can't afford them all. I understand it. We all understand it, right? But Jesse Bates and Von Bell were rock solid veteran players. Winners knew how to play the game, right? Right. You're replacing them with two guys that aren't in their galaxy. I'm not saying they don't have the potential to be as good. We'll see. Jury's out. But. You have taken a major step backwards at safety. And look, you got to cut somewhere. I mean, you only have so much money to spend. You got to cut somewhere. I think they were caught off guard by the Von Bell deal going to Carolina. I don't know if the team or the franchise dragged its feet because I think universally, Lou Anarumo said it himself at the combine. He said, that would be my darkest day if all of a sudden Jesse Bates and Von Bell are gone next year. Well, they're gone. And I don't know if somebody down there was asleep at the wheel. Maybe they thought Bell's deal was worth too much money. I don't know if they were waiting to take care of some other contracts because all everybody wants to talk about is Burroughs deal, Burroughs deal, Burroughs deal. There was immediacy to Von Bell's deal. There's no, there's no deadline pipeline on having to get this Burrow thing done. And it's not done. So you've taken a step back at safety, you've gotten better on the defensive line. You're basically the same at linebacker. Wilson and Pratt are both coming back, right? And then you get to corner. They're probably, they're probably about the same. If Awuzie's back for the whole year, right, we'll find out about your guy, Britt. That's your guy. That's my guy. Sidney Jones was a guy a lot of people expected big things from. He's basically brought in to take over for Eli Apple. Is he as good a player as Eli Apple? I don't think so. But then you get to the offense. And look, all of us were talking nonstop about getting an offensive lineman and especially a tackle. I have no relationship or any contact with Zach Taylor, Duke Tobin, any of them. But we said on his program last week, I felt extremely comfortable knowing 
that I have now, Brown at left tackle. My options, one, two, and three in order, are Jonah Williams at right tackle, followed up right behind him as a potential to play and play regularly with the return of Lyle Collins, and then three, Jackson Carmen, who now starts his third year in the league. He played better at tackle than he did at guard. If that's not unbelievable depth, I don't know what is. I think they feel like they can go into camp. They're going to wait and see on Williams. If they have a chance to trade him, should somebody else look at their team and be like, good Lord, we're in trouble at left tackle. We got to trade for a left tackle now, right? Right. Or you like the way he's playing over there? He's looked you right in the eye and said, hey, look, I don't want to be a right tackle, but I want to win a Super Bowl. And I want to go do everything I can to make that happen. You start watching Collins. Where is he? physically coming back from the ACL, right? They've got good depth there. Tight end, they've taken a step back. Agree? Uh, or disagree? I would say it's even, if you ask me. I mean, I don't – the difference between Hayden Hurst and Irv Smith Sr. or Jr., I'm sorry, um, I, don't, I don't know if there's really that big of a difference. Because – Hayden Hurst wasn't really a in-line blocking tight end. I think he was willing, and so is Irv Smith. I mean, it's not like you're, uh, you know, it's it's not exactly a one-for-one one replacement, but I don't think you're losing a lot there. Okay. All right. All right. I'm just asking you, do you think you're as good? And I, I could buy into the argument you're as good with Smith catching the ball. Yeah. Samples back. We'll see. They still have maybe some things they can do trade-wise or – free agency-wise, whatever it might be. They did not address it in the draft, which, again, was a surprise to all of us. Running back. Are they better at running back? Mixon's coming back. I mean, when you hear Zach Taylor come out and say that, Zach knows what's going on. Yeah. Mixon's back. He's still a hell of a back. Whether you think he's worth the money or not, and they're going to restructure his deal, Joe Mixon's still a hell of a back. Right. Is Brown better than Piran? Now, we don't know about Brown yet. We haven't seen him play in the pros. But I know one thing. He's got a lot more talent than Piran. Agreed. I can agree with that. I think the only thing we'd be really missing, and we've probably talked about this a whole lot more than we should, but the pass blocking element for the running back, we don't know what Brown – Brown needs to work on that anyways. So we don't really have a guy there that we know can – protect the quarterback yep. which for the 60 snaps that we're going to be missing out from Samaje I I just don't see how that outweighs the production that you could potentially get from Brown which you know Brown being that change of pace type of guy you know can lead you to more scoring opportunities so I prefer that over blocking then your wide receiver room you are without a doubt better I mean considerably better, potentially better. There's no doubt about that. You got your three horses coming back, best trio on any team in the league, without a doubt, in Chase, Higgins, Boyd. Now you add Jones to the mix. We'll see about the kid from Princeton. They are unbelievably deep and extraordinarily talented at the wide receiver position. Agreed. They're on it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, they're – they miss a guy. They miss two guys. They, two guys get hurt. I don't think you miss a beat. I really don't. 
I think you've got depth there that can provide you enough stability for a while. So, really. All right, let's get to the winners and losers. Are you guys prepared for this? Yes. Yes. Okay, here we go. Uh, Paulie, scroll that back up there if you don't mind. I, I have some stuff in there that I had. Oh, um, the, the winners? Here, hold on. I think you have it over here. I got it for you. Okay. I'm going to add it for you right now. Okay. I, I, I think the Bengals are winners on this deal for all the reasons we just walked through. They addressed – I'm not going to get into, again, whether or not you think, you know, they should have let this guy go or that guy go. We knew before the draft who was gone and who was here, right? That's what we knew. Okay. So, you start with that. Um, I would say Houston would be a winner, right? Yep. You get C.J. Stroud, number two pick. You trade up to get Anderson, three pick, foundational players for the franchise, without a doubt. Philadelphia. Oof. I mean, this is a team that led the league in sacks last year. Now, they lost the Super Bowl. It has been a long time since an NFC team has gone to back-to-back Super Bowls. It's been a long time. So, what do they do? They go get Jalen Carter, and they get Nolan Smith. I don't know how many teams want to play Philadelphia next year. Good luck to the Giants. Good luck to the Cowboys. And uh, good luck to the Washington football Wizards. Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, for me, are both winners. Why? Because they're going to an offensive-minded head coach. Frank Reich is a great quarterback coach. I mean, they were doing this turn-style thing and bringing in guys that were washed up. They were done. This guy played the position. He knows the position. He now has Bryce Young in Carolina. Richardson is going with Steichen, the former offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, who worked with a quarterback a lot like Richardson. And that's a guy who's a great athlete, can run around, right, and teach him uh, the position. Seattle, they got the best corner in Witherspoon. And then later in the first round, they got the most pro-ready wide receiver in the draft in Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. I'm not sold necessarily on Geno having another big year, but those were two big picks. All right. And I think Baltimore, because at the end of the day, in draft week, right, they take care of the whole Lamar thing. They go out and they get Zay Flowers, a wide receiver, who some people say more than Smith and Jigba is the most pro-ready wide receiver in this group. So, They've got some weapons with Andrews, Odell Beckham Jr., Bateman coming back, Dobbins coming back. The Ravens are back. And you could say, did they ever really leave? They made the playoffs with a backup quarterback last year. Did they ever really leave? All right, your winners before we get to the losers. Gentlemen, take it away. Well, uh, I have Philadelphia the Philadelphia Bulldogs as the, the number one winner in my book. <laughs> you mean um, for the Georgia Bulldogs? Well, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're, their new nickname is now the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Okay. Um, Good nickname. They, <laughs> the fact that they got Carter and Davis back together in that defensive line room, and then they go out and get Nolan Smith, which could have been the second best edge rusher in the whole class. 
That's scary, man. I mean, this this defensive line is just stacked. And they got Fletcher Cox still there. Yeah, still got Who's just been a stud for a decade. They've got, uh, what's their edge rusher? I can't remember his name. He led the league in sacks, I'm pretty sure. They're good. But, yeah, um, someone will probably know in the chat. But, anyways, they're my number one. I mean, they they are primed and ready to come back and, and win the whole thing again, if you ask me. Number two. I would have the Colts. I would have the Colts. And that, that also extends to Anthony Richardson. I think that he went into a really good situation. The Colts really drafted well. They got a solid corner and Julius Brents, who's kind of like that um, that slot safety type role as well. They got a receiver for him and Josh Downs, who's a really good route runner. And Adebore, I really liked him a lot. I thought maybe the Bengals had a chance to get him in the third, but – Fell out of the out of uh, day two into day three, and that was a really good pickup for them. Solid, solid day for the Colts. Um, I am a little nervous for them because they said that they might start Anthony Richardson, which I'm not totally in agreement with. No. I think that maybe he should have a year to develop. Well, they've but... got Minshew there, right? Yeah, I mean that's a solid guy. Yeah, I think they they that's what they should do, but. If he's ready, he's ready. Well, you're high on Richardson. I'm not. Right. I, I, he's my guy. He is your guy. Starting week one last year, he was great and then laid an egg. Yep. Completion percentage after the second game of about 40%. But go ahead. That's your guy. That's my guy. And then I also had Seattle. I mean, not only did they get best player available at the corner position and receiver position, they also targeted their weaknesses getting a pair of edge rushers, getting some guys that can stuff and stop the run, which is a really run-heavy conference with the the 49ers. Yep. And I'm sure the Rams are going to want to run the ball. And I digress. I think Seattle's a big winner. I have the Browns as a really big winner in this draft. And people are going to kill me because I'm bringing up DeWan Jones. But let me just tell you, let me just break down their, their draft for a second. Would you have taken DeWan Jones first overall? If you had the pick. First overall pick in the draft. Just a first overall pick. No. No, I would not have. But let me just break this down for everyone. In terms of players and where they fell, right? And to be fair, this is my this is my assessment of their class, right? A lot of people are going to have different assessments. And they're going to say that maybe I'm completely wrong. But... This is how I view their draft. Cedric Tillman, receiver from Tennessee, arguably in the top five of the receiver cl- in, in this receiver class, goes to 74th overall in the third round. Really good red zone target. That's something that they desperately needed. They needed another X besides Amari Cooper. Cedric Tillman makes a lot of sense for them. I really like that pick for them. Saika Ika, the defensive tackle. He is... 335, a nose tech, a nose tackle, and they needed someone that could stuff the run. Last year, they just got ran all over the place. This guy provides you an anchor inside their defense, hit on another need. Dewan Jones, everyone knows how I feel about him. He's probably not going to start right away because they already got two really good tackles, but he provides just a shoe-in after this year for when one of their tackles either decides to leave in free agency or retire. 
And I don't think they're going to miss a beat. I really don't. And if he stays healthy, if he stays in a certain weight range, that 365, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts, guys. I really think that this guy, if you look at the film, the film shows you that he's a first-round talent. He just is. The problem is his weight. And if you ask me, you go in the NFL, the NFL is going to get you on the big boy plan, and you're going to start losing some weight. And I know that's kind of – I contradicted myself there in saying the big boy plan. But what I'm saying, what I'm getting at is they're going to make him lose weight. If he wants to be on this team, if he wants to play in the NFL, he's going to have to lose weight. Then – so that's a first-round graded talent. And let me just round. jump in on, on one thing here, because I know we got Bobby Nightingale coming up in about six minutes. But, look, everybody, as we like to say on this program, has the back of a bubblegum card, right? DeWan Jones heard this same stuff at Ohio State. He's been a starter for two years, but everybody was saying, oh, my God, this guy's huge, he's too heavy, he's this, he's that. When it came time, as I like to say, to nut-cutting time, the big fella showed up, and boy, did he play. Casey, I am in your camp with Dewan Jones. Yeah, and then they go and get a nice backup tackle and a guy that you liked, Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA. I did. And then I'm not really – I'm not sure about Cameron Mitchell. I didn't really watch a whole lot on him. But then we get to their sixth round, which is probably their biggest steal – and Luke Weipler at center. Another Ohio are, State guy. Pipeline! Are we kidding? The guy was a second-round talent, and he fell all the way to the six because he plays center, and he might be a little undersized. I mean, we talk about how good the Browns' offensive line is. They just had two major steals that could potentially be really big booms, right? Like, the thing is, what we got to understand here is that those picks are flyers. They're just like, oh, the throwaway picks. And they got such great value for what they could potentially get in return for that that they don't have to go find a guy in free agency to replace someone. They don't have to replace the right tackle now. They don't have to replace the center now. And all that matters going into the future for when they have to pay guys like Deshaun Watson. They don't have to pay their offensive line is what I'm getting at. They don't have to go out and spend a whole lot of money. And then people are going to be like, man, I thought they – spent a whole lot of money on Deshaun and they spent all this money on other guys. Well, a draft like this is how they do it. They get a bunch of steals that shouldn't be there, take some chances on some guys, and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. Well, we'll see. You know, I mean, look, the bottom line is everybody and his brother had five or six chances to go get the center, right? Right. Everybody and his brother had a couple of chances to go get Dewan Jones. We'll see. But, I mean, in the sixth round – Drafting a guy who was a great center, great program, offense. You know, the offensive line's calling out, you know, what they want to do as far as scheme and pass blocking and protection and all that kind of thing. You're getting a guy that knows how to win games and, and, and knows how to be a part of a big-time offense and be a leader. Sixth round, you can't beat it. Yeah. And I just say it because he's out, out of Ohio State. I would say the same thing about a center for Alabama or a center for Clemson or a center for Michigan, right? Right. I mean – it's hard to find those guys that, that are two- and three-year starters that have played a lot of football, a lot of winning football, and basically pl- played a pro style of offense. Right. And even saying all that about the Browns, they still stink, Tom. They don't stink. They do stink. 
They, I, even with all this talent, they're still going to find a way to mess it all up. Well, I'll tell you, and we're going to get to all the losers after we have Bobby Nightingale Jr. coming up here in a minute. And, and Paul, I want to get to your winners as well. Um, so we're going to do all that. Boy, this first hour's flown by. Well, I do want to say that for anybody that is listening right now, if, if you're checking in, if you're coming in and out of the show, I know we have a lot of people that have been watching this entire time. Today's cherry on top. Maybe one of the better cherry on tops that we have done. Uh, so if you are watching the show, stick around for the end right around 1158. We, we got quite the cherry on top today, courtesy of Reed Mouse. So just stick around. Okay. I'm sure it's probably tired at the end of the day. Oh, no, it's not if tired. If I were betting time. money on it, it's probably it's tired. It's not tired. Yeah. Well, I think I may have seen it earlier this morning on his computer. And it's tired. Trust me. Um, let me know when we have um, Bobby Nightingale Jr. in the house. I will. Uh, all right. So, Reed, we got a couple minutes for he's here. I'm sorry, not Reed. I was just reading Reed. Paul, who yeah. are your winners in the NFL draft? Uh, well, you guys have covered a lot of what I was going to say uh, for, for the most part. I think as a player, Anthony Richardson obviously was a winner. There's debate how high he was going to go in this draft. I like the – as a, as a player individually, him getting picked over um, uh, Will Levis. Devastating to me, devastating to Reed, but probably not devastating to the Colts. Uh, Will Levis, poor guy. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we have plenty more, as I see up here on the prompter. We have plenty more to talk yep. about Will Levis uh, in a minute. I thought that um, – I thought the Steelers – did well in this draft. I, um, I don't know if we. I'm with you all the way. I, I don't think either one, one of you guys talked about the Steelers. I was glad because they were the team that I had highlighted that that neither one of you mentioned. Um, when you talk about Broderick Jones yep. getting picked as a tackle, and then Darnell Washington as well. Yep. A guy that a lot of people thought maybe the Bengals might pick up in that spot. Then the Bengals trade back. Washington gets picked in that. Or uh, yeah, Washington gets picked in that spot to Pittsburgh. I thought Pittsburgh had a really nice draft, which is frustrating as a Bengals fan, but I thought they did really well over the weekend. Obviously, the Texans did really well trading up to get both their franchise quarterback and somebody that could be the anchor of that defense. Um, you know, I, I think just going through the rest of the way, I don't need to rehash everything we've just talked about for the last 15 minutes. Obviously, the Eagles did phenomenally well, um, but I, I don't think there's anybody else that we haven't talked about that I wanted to bring up outside of the Steelers, who I thought he uh who i thought had a pretty good weekend i am with you all the way on and you know when you look at the at the nfc north now okay and we know about the weather right by the time you hit november you're generally going to be in a lot of bad weather in all the cities in that division and when i look at baltimore yes smash mouth run team it's what they've always been. And Lamar is a run guy. Now, they'd like him to probably run a little bit less. And they've given him some weapons, which he hadn't had before. Browns, Watson's back. Full year now to practice. Go to the facility. Get coached. Training camp. All that stuff. Still got Chubb. Right? Loading up on offensive line. Smash mouth. Steelers are going back to what the Steelers are with this draft. As you just pointed out, Paul, they go get a tackle. It's going to be there forever. They always do a great job with a tight end position. Always. No matter who goes in there to play tight end, they turn into a player. And that's what's going to happen with the big fellow Washington. They can line him up 
at whatever he is, 6'7", 260, and just run the ball right down your throat, Najee Harris. Um, that, that division is a big league division. It is without a doubt. Now, some might say the NFC East, and I mean AFC East, and you could, you could sell me on that. If two is there with the Dolphins, right? You got Rodgers now with the Jets. You got Josh Allen with Buffalo. Okay, and you know, New England's New England. But the AFC East and the AFC North, unbelievable divisions. Unbelievable. Unbelievable divisions. Uh, by the way, one thing that uh, everybody's saying here in the chat, that there's something wrong with my mic. Do we have a... I don't know what it is, but a bunch of guys are saying the, uh, the same thing here in the, in the uh, chat. Sir yeah. Boy Wonder, what is wrong with you? The AFC East is trash? Trash? Come on, Sir Boy. Come on now. All right, uh, we're going to be talking Reds uh, baseball here in a minute. You know, they had uh, – it's amazing what a difference a week can make, right? And we'll ask Bobby Nightingale Jr. about this uh, shortly. Um, one week ago today, we're sitting in here, and the Reds had just been swept in Pittsburgh, four in a row. And all of a sudden, Pittsburgh's the talk of the baseball world. Um, and you knew the Rangers were coming into town. I saw some power ranking thing that was done, can't remember what the website is, that had the Rangers in the top seven teams in baseball. No chance. No chance. And all of a sudden, they went out and spent eight gazillion dollars on Jacob deGrom, who has barely pitched over 240 innings combined over the last three years. He's hurt again. And you can only hope and pray that it's not another elbow tear. But, I mean, he already had to be shut down in spring training. He had to leave a start early in the year with a wrist injury. And now, all of a sudden, there's something in the arm. I mean, they're paying that guy insane money. And that was a roll of the dice. But their bullpen is awful. Just awful. They are not the seventh best team. Uh, and they were right seven and eight in a lot of the power ranks. Anyway, back to the Reds. So they sweep the Rangers. They go out to Oakland, terrible team. Five and 21 when that series began. They beat them on Friday night. They beat them on Saturday night. And then yesterday, those are the losses like yesterday that hurt. You know what I mean? You got a lead going into the bottom of the seventh. It's only a one-run lead, but you got a lead. You got nine outs to protect a one-run lead. And the bullpen's been better, no doubt about it. Uh, and don't get wrapped up in his top three bullpen nonsense just because their ERA is what it is now. It's not a top three bullpen. You know it, and I know it. But they've been better lately. But, Paulie, you know. You're a baseball guy. Those are the losses that hurt you. You know, if you got beat 12-1 to or something like that, okay, fine. But when you have a game like that where you're trying to rip off your sixth straight win, you got serious momentum, and then you give it up and get beat, those hurt. Yeah, frustrating, especially watching it in the way that that uh, the game was going down. And I think Tyler Stevenson, to me, is the one that is really sticking out right now like a sore thumb. I mean, his is not only is he not playing well, but his at-bats look non-competitive. I mean, he's taking swings up there where he's behind on pitches. He's lunging at the ball. His body weight looks off. 
as far as just everything that he's doing with his swing. I'm not saying he's fat. I'm saying the the way he's swinging. It just looks like he's flinging the bat out there and has no idea what's coming. Um, it's a it's yeah. It was a frustrating one yesterday, especially coming off the heels of what they did on Saturday afternoon out there to come back trailing, basically do the opposite. Yep. Frustrating way to could have potentially wiped away that six game losing streak. Yeah, a lot of things yesterday that you feel like coming off a loss like a win like that. I'd like to see them finish that off with a sweep. Okay, uh, Bobby's ready to go. He's ready. Bobby Nightingale Jr. Well, first of all, Robert, uh, you're making the move back to your hometown. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was one of those kind of bittersweet leaving Cincinnati, but um, as you mentioned, covering the hometown team. So uh, looking forward to that at the end of the month. So that is going to be – you'll be uh, with the Enquirer and with Cincinnati.com until the end of May. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, until they have the uh, homestand against the Yankees and the Cardinals. That's my last week. Okay. Well, we're going to miss you, man. We're going to miss you. That's for sure. But, I mean, what an exciting time to be able to go back to where you grew up. And and uh, congratulations again. Well, let's talk about the Reds. I said it a minute ago. You know, a week ago today, Bob, we're sitting here, uh, and they had just been swept by the Pirates. You knew the Rangers were coming into town. They were off to a good start. Uh, and you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. And then all of a sudden, rip off five straight wins. Um, I know there was a players-only meeting. Could, could, could that have done anything to at least maybe, you know, clear some things out, lay some things on the table to get it going in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, I think it just opened things up in terms of saying, hey, um, you know, I, I don't think they felt like they were playing terrible, but I think it was one of those, they got swept in Pittsburgh. Uh, things were pretty low at that time where it was just kind of like, what are we why are we getting away from what we're trying to do? Why are we pressing so much? Why are we not scoring? I mean, um, you know, getting, I, I don't think it looks as bad on paper now, now that Pittsburgh's, you know, beating up on the Dodgers and they have the best record in the National League. Um, they've been playing really good baseball. But I, I think the Reds just looked at it in terms of, hey, we're, we're a team that's not going to bang, you know, 30 home runs um, in a game. We're not, we're not, we don't have those type of hitters on the, uh, on the roster, you know, 30 home run hitters on for the season. So um, I, I think it was one of those just reminding themselves, hey, just take take your best approach. Um, you know, don't be afraid to take your walks. Trust the next guy behind you. And um, it, it really, I, I, I don't know if it led directly to wins, but you saw that formula play out against the Rangers where, uh, you know, they mounted some pretty late inning rallies against some good relievers when um, they were kind of highlighted by walks and singles. And then it was kind of one big hit and they ended up winning those games. You know, I want to. Uh, Paul brought up Tyler Stevenson, and, and he does not look good at the plate at all right now. I think sometimes people forget that he is still such a young player with all the time he missed last year and serious injuries and all that kind of thing. So I'm not going to put a lot of stock in it yet. But 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 what are your thoughts on his struggle so far? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it's probably rust from, as you mentioned, he missed a ton of last year and only played 50 games. Um, so, I mean, if you if you really count it, I mean, he really has kind of the experience of a second-year player. Um, I, I think the most surprising part from my point of view is just he hasn't hit for much power yet. Um, I kind of expected it, not that he's trying to hit for more power, but that it would just come, kind of come naturally this year, um, especially at Great American Ballpark where um, home runs should be flying. So, um, I, I, I think he's still kind of getting his footing there. I, I don't think he's been a terrible hitter. Um, I, I just don't think he's been kind of the what you expect from a guy who 
um, you know, they're, they're carrying three catchers so he can be in the lineup every day. And I do think he makes the lineup better um, by being in the lineup, but it's one of those, he's going to have to hit a lot better if he's not going to be catching um, the more majority of the time. If he's going to be your primary DH, uh, spending a lot of time at first base, it's one of those where he, he's, he does have to step up offensively. You know, we've talked on this show, Bobby. Uh, it was my opinion that the Reds did really a tremendous disservice to Nick Senzel from the day they drafted him. Uh, asking him to change positions. You'll remember, you know, we were traveling together when the team was trying to get him to completely change his swing. Uh, and he finally said, you know, heck with that. I'm going back to what got me here because things are falling apart. What, what, what's it been like to, to be around him a little bit? Because he's having some good days right now. It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, he's since the first day of spring training, he's come into camp um, kind of like a different mindset. I mean, he just seems so much more mature, so much more relaxed. Um, and I, I, I think there's a lot of things. He said, like, the injury, um, being hurt for most of the offseason. I mean, he couldn't walk until, I think, the end of January, maybe early February, just because his uh, broken toe. And then he was uh, walking around in a walking boot. So um, he, he said there was a lot of things that he thought there were positives that came out of that this offseason. Um, but just the guy, I, I think he's more confident in himself, confident in his swing. Um, he, he was working on swing changes last year where I think he was in a different place than he was when he was a rookie. Um, and so he's, you can tell he's kind of more open to that, um, you know, working well with the hitting coaches. But like you said, I mean, they moved him around. They asked him to do a ton as a rookie. And he was their best prospect at the time, a top 10 prospect in baseball. I, I think everyone kind of just assumed because he did it in the minor leagues that he did at the majors and hit at a really high level. Um, and I, I think the Reds kind of took that for granted a little bit and, um, it ended up hurting him. But I, I do think Nick's coming to this year, fresh mindset. And I think he's just more confident in saying, okay, you know, maybe this might be a make or break season for him. Um, but, you know, why not just kind of come in, relax, and, you know, just kind of make the most of it instead of putting pressure on himself. And um, I, I think you're really seeing it pay off, especially this, this past week. I mean, he's been one of their best hitters. I know that Lodolo was a little bit better yesterday. Um, gave up the three runs in five innings and that kind of thing. His prior two starts were, were awful, and, and you wrote all about it. And, 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 Bobby, what was he saying? He just doesn't know why those two starts happened? I mean, he was falling behind in counts and uh, leaving pitches over the plate. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think it was anything that he felt was anything major. Um, I, I think it was just kind of like tiny mechanical tweaks. Um, and, and just simply when you fall behind in counts and you only throw two pitches primarily, um, he doesn't have a changeup that he doesn't throw a ton. But, um, you know, hitters, hitters can kind of guess what's coming. And, you know, if, if they guess correctly, um, they have a good shot, even as nasty as his pitches can be, of putting it in play when he's forced to stay in the strike zone. Um, so I, I do think there's been some bad luck in, in part of it. Um, you know, if, if I forgot, I saw like a, a Valley stat where it was, pitches that are in the strike zone he's given up the highest batting average where guys are hitting like 500 on pitches in the strike zone I mean that's not going to last forever um but I, I don't think he thought it was anything in terms of major I have you know this isn't working I have to scrap anything um I think it was just minor mechanical t uh tweaks and then yesterday he got burnt on a couple home runs there was one home run where he went back to back change-ups and he, he was kind of frustrated with himself for that one um but other, other than that I, I, I do think Generally, since the start of the season, he's still been on kind of an upward trajectory. Okay, last thing I want to ask you about and let you get out of here and appreciate your time bright and early in uh, San Diego, California, where the Reds start a series tonight. Um, 
Everybody now is starting, and you knew it was coming. I mean, there were some that were saying it before spring training, but now here you are a month into the season, and everybody's saying, okay, when does the, you know, when does the promotion and on the other side the exodus start for so many of these young players, whether it's McLean, whether it's De La Cruz, whatever it might be. Do, do you foresee that happening here in the month of May? I don't. Um, I, I think that's probably more of a second half of the season type deal. I think McLean's probably the closest, um, but he still doesn't have a position where he makes sense to fit right now. Uh, I mean, you have Jonathan India at second, McLean at AAA when Ellie De La Cruz has been there, has primarily played second. Um, so he's kind of blocked there. Shortstop, maybe that opens up, but I mean, you have you, you still want to give Jose Barrero every chance to kind of figure this out. I, he has kind of shown strides offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't think you can say, you know, Jose Barrero doesn't fit anymore. Um, and Jose Barrero, if he doesn't fit at the majors, you can't really throw him in AAA because you have L.A. De La Cruz playing shortstop there. So, um, you know, they, they, I think you have to let those play out. Um, I, I think you have to let McLean kind of force his way. He's been hitting really well. Um, but I, I still think there's some things where the Reds say, you need to work on this. I mean, you have to remember he's only been in the minor leagues for one-plus years. I mean, last year was his first full pro season. Um, they were pretty aggressive, putting him in double-A right away. Um, so I, I don't think there's a huge rush in terms of those guys. that They're knocking on the door. I, I think there will be a point later in the season where, um, especially if they get into prolonged hot stretches, like a three-week, one-month hot stretch where – You'll you'll get, they'll reach a point where it's like okay they can't keep these guys down in the minor leagues for any longer. But um, for now, I, I do think the Reds want to see them have some success in team success too in Louisville um, before calling them up. All right, I, I lied to you. What what is the very latest uh, on um, Joey Votto? Yeah, he's still training in Cincinnati. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. That I I think they rushed it um, in terms of just thinking that he could be ready for opening day. Uh, just one of those, it, it was major surgery. I mean, you look at guys around the league who have shoulder surgery. Uh, I always point to like a Eugenio Suarez after he injured his shoulder. He wasn't the same hitter for two years after that. Cody Bellinger had a shoulder injury, and um, he still hasn't been an MVP level type hitter that he once was. Um, so, I mean, that's major things. And I, I think there were things on his rehab assignment. You saw all the strikeouts um, where I think you got kind of exposed in terms of his shoulder wasn't moving the right way um, in terms of the, there was the range of motion wasn't as, as great as he wanted and um, he kind of paid the price for it. So I think it's one of those, they took a step back. Um, he's still training in Cincinnati where it's going to be like, okay, make sure your shoulder feels hundred percent, make sure the range of motion's back. Um, you know, it, you, you already missed opening day. You already missed the first month of the season. So let's slow this down. Make sure you get it right. Because if, if you can still make an impact for three, four months, I mean, that's still a big deal over the course of the season compared to, you know, trying to rush back uh, to be back in April or early May. Bobby, we can't thank you enough for your time this morning, sir. Enjoy a beautiful San Diego, California. Are you seeing your dad out there? Is he still out there? No, I won't see him this week, but uh, at least it'll be warm baseball. I haven't seen warm baseball in a while. Yeah, well, we're not seeing much warm anything here. So uh, (laughs) that's about to change, though, when you get back. You're going to bring us some San Diego weather. Bobby, thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bobby Nightingale, Jr., going to be leaving um, as the primary beat writer of the Redlegs, going to Minnesota. It's exciting for him. I'm happy for him. Get a chance to go back to your hometown. I've been down that road. But, uh, you know, this Votto thing, um, you know, you don't want to get overly emotional yet or 
there's a better word than emotional I'm trying to, to think of, and it's just, it's not there. Um, nostalgic, right? A month's gone by. They sent him down to the minor league rehab, give Votto all the credit in the world. He tried to come back, like Bobby just said, try to get himself in a position to try and make it for opening day. He realized that wasn't going to happen. Okay, so you send him out to play at Louisville. It did not go well. He's clearly not healthy. He had two major surgeries, okay? I mean, big-time surgeries. But now a month's gone by. He will have to go on another rehab assignment at some point in time before he's going to be playing for the Reds. And we all know this is his last season as a Red. And this is it. He's not coming back next year. The Reds are not picking up that option. They're going to pay him $7 million and tell him goodbye. But knowing where he is physically, I mean, at least knowing that he's not ready to go out on another rehab yet, okay, that means that he's probably here for this entire week. He's probably home for the upcoming entire homestand. At that point, they'll evaluate as a time to go out and play in the minors again. That would be another 21-day rehab. I mean, Paul, you're looking at, I think, the earliest, right? June 1st. I mean, July 1st. Earliest that we would see Votto. And that would leave the team with roughly, um, what, that's halfway through the year. That, That would leave the team with roughly 40 home games left to go see Votto for the final time in a red uniform. So does it become a ticket situation? Well, I mean, I think there are people who are going to want to pay money to go see him play and say they saw him play one more time. And then you get into the whole thing about whether or not he's going to be even in the game when you go. Yeah. Grab your other mic. Okay. I just want to see if we're going to do it. We're going to do it live. We're going to do it live. This greyhound with wings we dab down here. Try to Let's give the people what we this. want. Is that a little better or no? Well, did you switch it? Yeah, try now. Is that a little better? Are we there? I think it's a little better. A little better? Okay. Let me put this other one away. Okay. Um... But when you say ticket situation, what, what, what do you mean? Just that he would play those last 40 games to sell some tickets. Because by that point, the Reds are probably not going to be anywhere near being competitive in contention or anything like that. Yeah, it's going to be a... Um... Like, does that become a situation where Joey Votto comes up, he plays three times a week, you know it, you sell some tickets, and that's that? Or does he even play at all? Is he done? Do we need to start having? Do we need to start asking that question? Is he done? Have we? Already, I, I don't think there's. I think it's a legitimate question. Have we already seen him play his last game in a Reds uniform? I say no, how, no way. They are going to have uh, somebody accurately. I think points out in the uh, the chat says they're going to have a Joey Votto night, just like they did a Johnny Bench night. Alex Wallace pointed that out. And Votto's not the kind of guy where. You know, he's going to be any part of coming up here and trying to turn him into some kind of ticket-selling shill. That's just not him. He's not going to do it. Um, He will be back uh, at some point in time. 
but this injury was such a serious injury. Shoulder, biceps, um, You know, it'll be interesting to see how that, that, that does play out. Because, uh, Paul, I think you bring up a, a great question. Have we seen the last of him in a red uniform at the major league level? I say no. You say what? I say no, too. Okay. But I think now that it's May 1st, now that we're starting to get some clarity on the, the fact that this injury is lingering, the fact that all of this is going on for a while, um, I... Mm. I don't know. I think it might be time to start at least entertaining the thought that maybe we've seen the last of it. I don't think so. I'm not in that camp. Okay. But I don't think we've really talked about that until today. And, and now I think maybe at least there's a thought out there. Okay. Well, the Reds at least have made it a lot more interesting, right? I think both basically everybody that works in any kind of a sports talk realm in this town, including this show. And I know the guys talked about it in Box Lunch. And you talked about it on Not Too Picky. Just have the Reds at least in the conversation by the time we got to the draft, right? And after this week, where they go 5-1, and one, this is an interesting series, I think, to watch tonight. Right? I mean, you've got the Reds. You know, Weaver's going tonight. You're going to see Ashcraft, Hunter Green. You're going to see those guys in this series uh, against San Diego, a team that is loaded with talent but not playing, I mean, they're basically a 500 team, uh, one or two over at this point in the year. Uh, but if you're into staying up late and watching baseball, um, that would be worth watching. One thing we have not gotten into yet, and we've talked about this topic from a macro standpoint multiple times, but we are now closing in days away Okay, days away from the potential of the Reds not being on valleys anymore. May 6th. So this Friday night, Apple TV, you may remember, signed that big agreement with Major League Baseball where Apple does two or three games on a Friday. They pick random games, okay, and they stream it. And local TV doesn't do the game. So that game is this Friday night against the White Sox. Starting Saturday, it's possible that the Reds aren't on valleys anymore. Now, their situation is significantly different than those teams that have already filed a lawsuit, along with Major League Baseball, against valleys for not getting their TV rights money. Teams like the Guardians and the Brewers and the Diamondbacks and the Twins. The difference being is when the Reds made their agreement with Fox Sports Ohio, now Bally's, rather than getting more cash up front, Reds' ownership was given a stake in Bally's sports. So you can't join a lawsuit to file a suit against yourself, right? So... You know, the first sports team we saw, we talked about it on the show last week, two teams, NBA Phoenix Suns, WNBA Phoenix Mercury, owned by the same group. They've already announced. I mean, they got all their money last year. They know they're not going to get their money next year from Bally's. And they've already said, we're going 
over-the-air free TV. And we're also going to have a stream alongside for those that don't have that particular cable or that particular channel for whatever reason, right? They're the first two to do it. And the dominoes will begin to fall. Might the Reds announce some agreement with Channel 5? Channel 9. Channel 19, a Fox affiliate. Fox, big money in Major League Baseball. Hearst, I believe, is who owns Channel 5. Big time ownership of television stations all across the country. Now, Channel 12 is in a little bit different spot because Channel 12 is owned by Sinclair, which is the parent company of Valley or Diamond Sports. So unlikely you're going to Channel 12. You think there's a chance we see something like that announced this week? Or you say no? I feel like it's probably pretty tough to assume that they're going to all of a sudden take the Reds and put them on basic over-the-air cable, put them on one of the local stations against all that other programming. But I don't know enough about the situation yet. I really want to do a deep dive into it because I, I, I just kept putting it off and putting it off because I kept figuring that this would never happen. But now we're here. So uh, I don't want to say anything for sure without knowing everything about it, but it I, I have a hard time thinking that all of a sudden you're just going to be able to turn on Channel 5 and watch the Reds every night. I'm not saying every night because of the reasons we pointed out last week. They have obligations being a network affiliate, in this case NBC, where you've got to put on a lot of their, you know, primetime programming, whatever it is. But I think we're going to start to see some of this. Because this does not look like it is trending well at all. What about Chatterbox Sports, home of the Reds? The CS instead of the CW. KC, you'd be down there every night. Paul, you could do the play-by-play. Bring in Tracy Jones to be your sidekick. Have Marty Brenneman maybe make an appearance every home Wednesday night game. Why not? Sign me up. I'm in. Case, you'd be the executive producer of Reds Baseball on television. We're back. We could do it. We could do it. All right, let me ask you this question. And this is a question I'm serious about because I see guys write this all the time, and they write it, and they're inaccurate when they write it. Not every team's announcers are employed by the team. Okay? So, like, take, for example, the time I was working there for the Reds, right? My dad and Jeff Brantley were employed by the Reds. I was employed by the Reds. Chris Welsh and Jim Day were employed by Fox Sports Ohio. I don't know what Sadak's deal is. I don't know what Larkin's deal is. But for people to just automatically assume that if they did make a move like that to a Channel 5 or a Channel 9 or a Channel 12, that those guys would be the automatic announcers for that game. If I ran Channel 5, I want to be different than everybody else. I'm the one paying the money, right? So I can have a nice relationship with the Reds, but I can say, hey, you got your guys, that's fine. I'm bringing in the guys I want to announce the games. And I'm not suggesting that's what they should do and replace the guys that are there now. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying just to automatically assume that if you're the person putting this product on your station and you're spending tens of millions of dollars Well, 
I would think you'd have some say on who you want sitting in that booth. Agree? Yeah. Okay. We'll see how it plays out. No, no, no. And I'm not saying that for my job getting back. That's not what I'm, that's not the reason I'm saying it. I'm saying it only because just because you read that's the deal doesn't mean that's the deal. Because not every announcer is employed by the team. All right. Let's get back. Let's get back to where we were with our NFL draft. Because we've got about another 30 minutes left in the show. Okay? So, uh, Casey, we'll start with losers. Okay? In this draft. And I have mine, and I want to hear who you guys. Now, when I say loser, I don't like that word. Because I think all these people and these, the, these kids, especially, that are getting drafted out of college. Um, it doesn't make them losers. I just think there are situations that are different. Will Levis, we've talked about, right? Everybody said, all of Paul's friends, the degenerates in the gambling ward, world, all said, because of Reddit, that, you know, Will Levis was going number one, number two, number three, whatever, he drops to the second round. And he is not expected to be a starter. So you feel bad for him. Doesn't make him a loser. That's a wrong word. But certainly things did not go the way you think. I'm a little curious about the C.J. Stroud thing. I think he's the best quarterback that was selected in this draft. But I brought up earlier that in Bryce Young, there's Frank Wright. Right? Veteran, offensive-minded coach. Okay? You have Steichen, veteran, offensive coordinator, now a head coach in Indy. Richardson, he gets to work with him. C.J. Stroud is going to Houston, where they have a defensive-minded head coach in D'Amico Ryans. And I think he's going to be an excellent coach. He was the right guy for the job, no doubt about it. But in Bobby Slowick, now you're talking about a, a lifer in the game. He grew up, his dad has been a longtime coach in the Canadian League, among others. Uh, and, and he deserved and earned this job to be named Ryan's offensive coordinator. But it's the first year he's ever done it. He was the passing game coordinator before coming to now to be an OC with the Texans. We'll see if that makes any impact. I mean, not always does that play out right because uh, Kyler Murray, right? He right. goes offensive-minded head coach in Kingsbury. And, you know, after one good year, that thing was a disaster. So it doesn't work for everybody. But Stroud has never been mentioned in or Richardson or Young in the same breath as Kyler Murray in regard to work ethic because clearly there were some issues with Kyler Murray and work ethic. They put it in his contract. That should have never been made public, but they did. So those are just a couple for me. Um, I wasn't as excited about the Browns draft as you were even though they were Ohio State guys. Mm -hmm. uh, they only had a couple of picks because of all the trades they made, primarily the Deshaun Watson pick. But I think the Tillman kids got a chance to be pretty doggone good. I agree. All right. Who are your uh, not so good from the draft? Casey McAllister. Well, um, I'll start off by 
the Falcons kind of disappointed me. I know they were that team that I talked about that could be the next Lions, and then they go and have a draft like this, which makes me just, you know, some teams just don't get it, right? And maybe B. John Robinson's the rookie of the year, but if you've been listening to me and Reed talk, you just don't pick a running back, especially that high in the first round. There's not enough value there for you to make that sort of decision. Maybe I look like an idiot later, but I'm cooling off on the Atlanta Falcons take that I had earlier. My second big loser. Wait, before you go any further, I want to make sure Paul and I understand where you are on this. Yeah. Because last year you were the guy, and I give you all the credit in the world. I mean, there were two proclamations you made at the start of last year. One was Anthony Richardson is a stud. Check. Well, okay, good enough to be the fourth pick in the draft. So, yeah, check. And you were all in as a buyer on the Detroit Lions. That is a major check. Yeah. Okay? Now, this offseason, though we haven't gotten to training camp yet, you have now made close to the same kind of proclamation about the Falcons. Did I just hear you say you've gone south on them now? I'm cooling off on it. Okay. I, I, You're allowed to wiggle it. No problem. Yeah, it's not. we're not close enough yet to it. I just don't like the B. John Robinson at eight. Like, I feel like you could have gotten so much more value there to add to your defense. You already had a pretty good running game. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't a fan of it. So that's my – that is my most disappointing draft uh, team – or what happened in the draft so far. The second one, I think, is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Jets, they had a serious problem at the offensive tackle position. And I get they got a guy, Carter Warren, from Pittsburgh, who wasn't even on our radar for for a, a draft pick for the Bengals. I mean, they got Will McDonald. I really like Will McDonald. But for Aaron Rodgers to not get – any lineman help to help solidify what's going to be in front of them. I'm nervous about them. I, I'm not so high on the Jets like everyone else is. I know their defense is great, and I know that Aaron Rodgers is way better than Zach Wilson, but I'm not going to – they did not win the offseason for me by any stretch of the imagination. Then, after that, Tom, the next biggest loser, DeWan Jones. And people might say, Casey, you're just really high on the Browns. Well, yeah, he went to a team that stinks. So he's just going to lose and be great. You're big, pulling in Atlanta Falcons now. Big loser. That's a reach. Big loser. Browns stink. Um, then after that, Tom, you know, you could make a case for the Vikings. I don't understand where they're coming from. The Jordan Addison pick. Wasn't expecting that. They go and reach on Makai Blackman. I wasn't too thrilled with that. It's good for Makai, but their draft wasn't very good. Um, yeah, there, I didn't really think there was a whole lot of losers in this draft. Okay. But, you know, the Lions, they, they, they made some really questionable picks. Well, interesting picks. Yeah. I I've, mean, you know, they, they, they have their people that think that they got really good players. Right. And I don't. I don't disagree with that. I do think that they have some pretty good picks. Um, I just thought Jameer Gibbs was too high. 
I thought that maybe they would go for a corner, but they didn't quite get one early in the in the draft. I really love Jack Campbell, and I like Sam Laporta and Brian Bray. I like a lot of those guys. Um, Jared Goff is a big loser, though, because Hendon Hooker is going to be – I think he could really put this team over the, over the top. Um, I'm not saying I'm all out on Jared Goff because he had a great season last year, but – Hendon Hooker can can push you over the edge, right? If he if he uh, plays anywhere to the level that he played in college with Tennessee, with that team, dark horse, Detroit Lions again. Well, I read good. basically the way you have to look at Hooker because he's coming back off that ACL, right? Yeah. Is he's coming back this year to get healthy. And, and and look, some guys come back faster from the ACL than other guys. He's young, he's athletic, should be, you know, by training camp, uh, close to ready, if not after that. So this season will be just a wash of getting healthy. Next year, you know, you, and depending on what the Lions do this year, next year, you know, he, he is able to go in the offseason program, all the stuff they want to do. OTAs, mini camps, so on and so forth, and then be ready by the third year. Now, I know that's a long time out. Yeah. But we'll see how that plays out. Paul, your losers from the NFL. All right, let's get in the lab. Into the lab we go. Into the lab. Put on your gloves, put on your mask. I'm saying the Cowboys, man. I'm out on what the Cowboys did in the draft. Thought it was a cool story. The scout drafting his son. Vaughn. That was really cool. great. That great. was a great story. Great television. Really good story. Great television. Entertaining. Out on what they actually did in the draft. Also out on the Lions. What they did. Sorry, Casey. That draft room for the Lions when they're celebrating. First of all, how badly do you have to feel if you're DeAndre Swift watching that all go down? Whether he knew or not that he was going to get traded. If he didn't know or didn't have any indication about it. You have to feel like a low-level, low-level skill player. You have to feel like you just got beaten down into the turf to feel like you see your draft room and your scouts and your head coach celebrating over the top of you like that because you got a running back at whatever it was, pick 12. 12, I was going to – yeah, 12. Um, And one other – I had one other team. uh, Maybe not. I think that was it. I got to tell you, the, the kid from Kansas State, and I watched a lot of Big 12 football this year, Vaughn. And look, everybody got scared off on this guy because he's only like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, whatever it is. This guy is a player. You put that guy on the field. I watched a lot of their games this year. He is a dynamic player. And look, Ezekiel Elliott's out of there. Pollard is the main guy, obviously, in that offense. But... Uh, you know, there were a lot of people that had him, uh, him being Vaughn, one of the top 12, 15 running backs in the country coming into this draft. I, I think that's a guy to watch. I'm surprised you don't like Mozzie Smith, your so, guy from Michigan. So if you remember – One when of we, your Michigan guys. If you remember when we – Elitist. That's right. If you remember when we were in the lab on Thursday, maybe Friday, I mentioned Mozzie Smith as a potential target for the Bengals. But he didn't get picked by the Bengals, so we're out on Mozzie Smith. <laughs> we're out on him. They, they skipped over Michael Mayer, too. Yeah. Like, out. Would you have Mayer or Mozzie? I think I'd have Mayer. I think I'd have Smith. 
A Michigan guy. Listen, you would draft you a have Michigan to look, guy. You have, I mean, teams will never admit it. You have to look at who you're playing. Michael Mayer would be a nice piece for the Cowboys. There's no doubt about that. Yes. And I mean, look, I, I think you can make a serious argument that that you know this is another year where the Cowboys are not putting a lot of weapons around Dak Prescott. You're having Pollard coming back from a serious injury, right? You got CeeDee Lamb, and then you kind of got some other guys. But look, they're going to play the Philadelphia Eagles twice a year, the New York Giants twice a year, the Washington Football Wizards twice a year. All those teams want to run the ball. And you got to be able to have somebody stand in there and move some people around and make some plays when the other team's trying to run it. And Smith can do that. That's a big, strong man. Tank Bigsby to the Jaguars. Another winner. That's my last <laughs> thought on the draft. <laughs> Tank. Tank. He was sitting there. Casey and I were texting. And uh, he was sitting there right around when the Bengals, the, the Bengals were looming. And I'm thinking, uh. What was it, the third round? It was the third round, yeah. Oh, yeah. We it's were talking good. About third round pick. Casey sent me that all caps. Tank. Tank. Didn't end up with him. But it's okay. We got Brown. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. okay. Could have been better, but it's okay. Tank. Reed Mouse likes Tank. Calls him a nut cutter. What is a nut cutter? Oh, come on. That's self-explanatory as it gets. Are you there when it matters? You know, I was listening to this sermon on a, on a radio station driving in today and talking about, you know, in this day and age, we all want to avoid pressure. We, we, don't, we don't want the pressure. That's where you grow. Even in your tribulations, that's where you grow. And you get better. You get better because you keep fighting. I want those guys, when it gets down to the time you got to make a play, give me those guys who make the play and who want to be on the field, right? Right? Your guy, Tank. Tank. Guarantee you. I don't watch a lot of Auburn football, but I guarantee you. He's ready to go. A name like that? What's Tank Bigsby rookie of the year odds? Do I need to throw a $5 wager in the Betfred Sportsbook on Tank Bigsby? Offensive rookie of the year? Well, you know, how much is he going to play down there? Seriously. Enough. Well, they got they got that Clemson kid. Yeah. Don't he, let he's a good player. Don't let ATN. Fa- don't let Travis fax, ATN. Don't let facts get in the way of a good narrative. That's what I always say. Well, there's some people beating up on Orlando Brown Jr. in here. How do you beat up on that guy? I mean, seriously. All that guy did was wear people out in Kansas City. All right, now what we're going to do is we're going to shift gears to the NBA here for uh, the last few minutes and all the great series we're going to put up. And uh, we're going to go through our picks from what we had before all this began. But what we're going to do is um, we are going to have with Reed and Paul and Casey, we're going to have and we're still juggling some guests here for the next day or two. So I don't know if it'll be tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday yet. Depends on how all that comes together. And why don't some of you join us? I'm giving you a heads up ahead of time. 
so you can join the chat and go ahead and do it. We are going to have our top 10 power rankings in the NFL as of right now. Who are your top 10? Just your top 10 teams overall. Top 10 teams, the way their rosters uh, and after the draft are constructed today. Power, top 10. A lot of AFC teams in that top 10. Yep, lots of them. Do any NFC teams crank? Oh, crack, yeah. Well, crack, yeah, of course crack they Crack Casey's do. top 10. Of yeah. course they Eagles. Do. Niners? Niners. See, I got to tell you, it's interesting you say the Niners because I was thinking of them. I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I love the GM. I love the head coach. Um, I love some of the, the, the weapons they have on offense. You know, their defense speaks for itself. They've lost their defensive coordinator. The whole quarterback thing. I mean, is Purdy going to be ready? He says he is. You know, you got Trey Lance, number one pick. He's coming off an injury. They brought in Sam Darnold to hedge their bet there. Complete stiff. Um, And, you know, I, I don't know if I'm as high on the 49ers as some other people are. There's a lot to like, don't get me wrong. But when the most important position on the team seems to be in some flux, I don't know. All right, let's get to the NBA. You ready? Let's do it. Let's put it up there. Let's start with our picks from when this whole thing began. Uh, So let's start on the left-hand column, right? Yeah. You had uh, the Raptors. I need to put on my uh, cheaters here to see this. You had in the first round, you had um, Nuggets, and Nuggets, Timberwolves, and all of us picked Denver. Yep. Winner, right? Yep. We had the Suns and Clippers. I believe all of us picked the Suns. Yep, yep. All right. Kings and Warriors. Uh, I know that I picked the Warriors. Casey, I think you did too. Yeah. Who did you pick, Paul? I think I picked the Warriors. Okay. Uh, and then the Lakers and Grizzlies. I know that you and I, Casey, picked the Lakers. Paul, I think you took Memphis. I think I took Memphis, yep. Okay. On the other side, everybody picked the Bucks, right? Everybody in the world picked the Bucks. Okay. Yep. L there. Knicks, Cavaliers. I think you, Paul, picked the Knicks. Yes. Yep. And Casey and I took Cleveland. Yep. Right? Uh, each of us picked the uh, 76ers. Right? That was yep. not a series. Okay. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. Four and done. Then the Celtics and the Hawks. A lot closer than what people thought. For yeah. Sure. So, we all picked, though, the Celtics. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. What are we doing here in round two? It's a little bit skewed because two of these series have already began. Uh, the Nuggets drilled the Suns the other night. Uh, and... The Heat beat the Knicks in game one. But let's start on the left-hand column there. Where are you going with the Suns v. Nuggets? Paul, we start with you. Uh, Again, I know the Nuggets are already up 1-0. I am going to take the Nuggets here. I'm going to take the Nuggets. I'm going to take the Nuggets. Leave it at that. Um, Tom, I'm going to take the Suns. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Suns. I'm gonna take a gamble on this, and I think Kevin Durant can 
and the, the squad can get it together. DeAndre Ayton, got to play better. Got to hustle. I am going with Denver as well uh, for the reason I stated earlier. The Suns don't guard anybody. You don't have to be a great defensive team, but you got to be able to hold somebody right around 100. You can't be giving up 120. All right. The next one to me uh, is without a doubt the most eyeballs will be on this next series, even though the games are going to start very late at night because both teams are on the West Coast. But this other series has all the star power. LeBron, Curry, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis. You've got the the drama of Draymond Green, right? Um, You've got some guys for the Lakers who haven't been through this playoff thing, made the big deal. Now they are. Um, Tomorrow night, that series begins. Casey? Warriors v. Lakers. Oh, man. Oh, man, Tom. That's a tough one. Um, I, uh, I'm i going to go with LeBron. I'm going with LeBron. I just think that they're, they, they caught wind at the right time. And I think the Warriors just – I know they, they – they, they took it all the way game seven. They're probably going to be a little tired. So I think maybe the Lakers can steal one. Lakers had a little bit more time to recover. It's really tough, Tom. This is a tough one for me. But if I'm going to go with my gut, it's got to be with LeBron. Yeah, I'm going to take the Lakers too. I'm taking LeBron here. Uh, I think that this is a series where the Lakers and LeBron are, are playing pretty well right now. LeBron seems like he's on a mission not to say that Steph Curry isn't, uh, because for as well as Steph and them were playing, you got to remember the Warriors were down 2-0 in the series to the Kings, and they were plus 135 to win the series, plus 135, basically even money, and they had to win four of the next five games to advance, and they did. Uh, they go to Game Seven. They only lose one the rest of the way in that series, and they advance in pretty decisive fashion yesterday. But I'm going to take the Lakers. Uh, I'd love to see the Lakers win the title this year. I would love to see LeBron get another ring. I'd love to see the Lakers win the title. But I... No, I'm not confident in saying that that's going to happen. But I do want to pick the Lakers here. And by the way, just because you see it set up uh, in that screen, let's pretend for a second that that both of those on the left side are um, the way they would present a game being played on the schedule... Um, in soccer the bottom team in each of those is the road team yes so um, Phoenix is on the road game two tonight at Denver Philly and Boston kick off tonight at the Garden we'll get to that in a second and then tomorrow Miami at New York game two Lakers game one in Golden State downtown San Francisco all right Uh, I'm gonna go with the Warriors to win that series okay I don't like the pick (laughs) I don't like it at all but it is the pick all right other side we mentioned the heat a lot of people felt Paul you follow this stuff I heard a lot of chatter um, that the heat you know, because of some injuries and because of some things they went through during the year, 
they really were more like a four seed, right? If they'd have had everybody with their talent level. Well, now they're playing like it. They shocked Milwaukee. Actually gave Milwaukee a tail kicker. Truth be told. Now, I know Giannis was hurt a couple of those games, but they gave him a tail kicker. Uh, and already up 1-0 on the Knicks. How do you not pick the Heat here? Or do you not? I'm actually, I'm going to take the Knicks here. Wow, down 1-0. I'm going to take the Knicks down 1-0. And uh, don't let me forget, I have a question to ask you guys before we before we uh, finish off this segment. But let's get through the picks first. I'm taking the Knicks. And then in the bottom, I'm going to take the uh, Celtics. I, I'm not trusting the process. I'm taking the Celtics and the Knicks for the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I'm going to go opposite of you. Heat and the 76ers. Joel Embiid and James Harden get it done. Okay. Simple as that. I'd prefer the 76ers win, but I, I'll take the Celtics. All right, Tom, how about you? I'm going to take the Heat. Um, and, boy, I'm really wrestling with this other one because there are reasons to like each team. Uh, Boston generally shows up in big games more than Philadelphia shows up. Right. Generally speaking. I'm not crazy about Boston's style of play, but they, they've got – man, they got some scores. And, obviously um, – Philly has some scores. Um, I'm going with Boston. Yeah, I'm going to tell you one thing. Jimmy Butler, regardless of what happens in that series, the Heat and the Knicks, Jimmy Butler has been just a thrill to watch over the last week and a half. Um, I'm still going to take the Knicks, though. I I don't know why. Uh, I just really enjoy seeing the Knicks win right now. It's it's fun when the Knicks are good and they haven't won a it playoff is. series right. in so good in so long. I really enjoy watching the Knicks right now and those crazy New York fans and everybody else. I think it's fun. I think it's a fun thing for the NBA when the Knicks are good. See all the stars come out. They're sitting around the court. I, I just think it's a good atmosphere for the NBA when they're good. And right now they're good, but so is Jimmy Butler. And all all four of these series are elite, big time names. We're not talking about. Lower level markets, and anything in like big that. time, like you said, markets, big time arenas, crowds are gonna. That Philly Boston series is just gonna be uh, off the chart. again. Casey, flash that up there again, one more time before I ask Tom this question: Miami, New York, Philly, Boston, L.A., San Francisco, Phoenix, and Denver. NBA could not ask for anything more than what they have on the screen right now. All right, if you're a television executive, last question I'm going to ask you about this, right? Yeah. Whoever has the finals, ABC, ESPN, whoever it is. ABC, yeah. If you had to pick one team in the West and one team in the East that would bring you the highest ratings, it would oh, be what? L.A. Boston to run the history of the NBA. It's the, it's the two teams with the most titles of all time. Okay. L.A. and Boston would be a TV executive's dream. Okay. Oh, yeah. You agree with that, Casey? Yeah, I have to agree with okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so two thing. One, one question for you, and then the cherry on top, which yep. I know I, I touted an hour ago. Um, my tired question, already. My question for you is, uh, did you see Giannis's comments about whether the season is a failure without winning a title? No, you were starting to talk about it the other day, and then something happened. Yeah. So Giannis got asked a question, which I thought was a fair question from a reporter. Did you feel like the season was a failure because you didn't win a title, and Public opinion on Giannis's answer was very divided on how he gave the – he said, I don't view it as a failure because only one team can win a title. We won a lot of games. We were the number one seed. Just because we didn't win the title doesn't mean we were a failure. I 
don't know if I agree with that. I saw an answer from Kobe Bryant a, a couple days after that that I would probably align myself more with. And uh, I was curious what your thoughts were on that, Tom. I think there's a difference between disappointing and failure. I think he's on to something here that you're going to outright label the thing a failure. I think he has valid points that it's not a failure. I think the more accurate question would be, is this a disappointment? Is this a disappointing season, the way that it's going to end now? Failure is a strong word uh, and a word that, that, you know, I don't, I don't like using very often because most of the time you're talking about a situation, not all the time, but somebody is busting their tail and it just didn't happen. Right? The other guy got you. And in this case, it was Miami and, and Jimmy Butler. Giannis missed a couple of games in the series um, after getting hurt in game one, I think it was. So, you know, look, I, I see both sides, and I know what you're saying. All right, what is this tire? All right. Cue what the music, that? Casey. There's music? Well, the, the tree on top. Oh, yeah. Okay. Reed Mouse did days of digging on this. You don't even know what I did. Days of digging to find this. And we present to oh you. Oh, my God. I didn't know this was coming. Tom Brenneman. Number seven. And number one in your hearts. Second from the right, first row. Look at that hair. Look at Look that Look at those hair. legs. Real man. <laughs> Tom. Tell you what, there's some. I was, get that picture up there. I was with a ton of guys just the other night. The guy to my left, the guy to my right. The guy two down, and if you keep going over uh, and, and sort of, you know, panning over. Uh, the guy, number one right there, Joe Dayton. First team All-State. I think he's still the only athlete in the history of Cincinnati ever. First team All-State is a goalie in soccer. First team All-State in basketball. First team All-State in baseball. Went on a scholarship, baseball, to the University of South Carolina. That's big league. Look at that team. Tom, that hair is immaculate. You know, if you got it, you might as well flaunt it. It's great. No, yep. it's great. I see a lot of uh, similarities between you and Luke there. I mean, I, I didn't see it until I see a younger no, picture. There, there are no similarities athletically. None. Well, well. None. You don't even know what I did to go and find that picture, Tom. <laughs> I probably don't want to know. No, you don't. All right. Took me hours and hours of work. Well, I'm sorry. But <laughs> no, it was so well much worth it. That. It's a big leaguer. Um, Casey, thank you. Paul, thank you. We got box lunch coming up. Um, what's on the menu here today, big boy? The draft. We're going to recap the Bengals okay. and what they did in the draft. And Did you like it? Yeah. I know absolutely. you're going to explain more about it here in a minute, but overall you liked it. Yes. They, okay. they did exactly what I expected them to do, which was draft for positions that are going to be available in the future. So veterans that already have positions – they're not shoring up needs. They're just shoring up needs for the future, giving them a year of experience, and then they'll be ready to play next year and in years going forward. So that's what I really like. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, that Reds uh, rest of Cincinnati question. What is that all about? Give who do you think? Just teaser on what that is. Who do you think will win more games, the Reds or the rest of the major teams here in Cincinnati? That is UC basketball, Xavier basketball, um, UC football, and the Bengals. If you combine all of their wins. Will they have more wins than the Reds? 
Are we including last Xavier se- this season that no, just like completed? No, like coming up. So coming up. Starting, That's a good question. So Big Twelve, Big Twelve, Big Twelve, and then a lot, a lot of a lot, uh, seniors lost for Xavier. A lot so of let's trans- just say if you average it out, what you see going in, right? If you average it out, let's say X wins twenty five and UC wins seventeen. Just that, something that, like honest that. Honest to God, those are the two numbers I was going to come up with. Okay, yeah. so, you know, you figure you're 21, 22 right there, right? So, as an average, so call it 44 between those two. Mm-hmm. UC okay. football. Say they get six or seven. Yeah, I was going to say seven in the Big 12. Okay. 51. So, now you're 51. Bengals. Then you get to uh, Bengals, you figure 11. Maybe right. more, but let's just say 11. 11's a fair number. So, what are we, 62? 62. And then who? That was, that was it. Not FC? Not FC. We'll wait for the Bengals or for the Reds to be good before we include FC. Okay. Well, right now, they are far ahead of shattering that number. They will. So far. Uh, your Cubbies, by the way, before I let you go. All that talk. All that talk. The Marlins have scarred me, Tom. So yes, they have. They, they have scarred yes. me. Again. You, you know what's funny is like in the second inning of the second game of the series – the Cubbies are hitting, Marlins are in the field. They hit a ball down the right field line, and a fan in a Cubs-Marlins game interfered. You're kidding. To prevent the fielder from making a play. Swear to God. Didn't learn the first time. But that game was in Miami, right? It was. It was, it okay, was in right, Miami. Okay, so, right, like, okay. it, was, it, was, it was just funny. It was the two, two same teams. That's right. That's right. They're forever joined. Right. That's right. All right, men. Have a good rest of your day. It is time for Box Lunch right here on Chatterbox Sports starting right now. Thanks for being with us. Have a great Monday.